0: good morning welcome back thanks for joining us on this Monday morning and taking a few minutes out of your day in God's word we're glad you're with us as we have been walking through verse by verse uh, through the book of Matthew studying the life of Christ this morning we're jumping into Matthew chapter 20 so if you're following along on a tablet or a Bible or whatever we're in Matthew chapter 20 starting off and today we're going to cover what uh, at least for this podcast it's a bit of a longer section of scripture mostly because the count of the story is 16 verses, Um, some unique principles. And I'll be honest, uh, for one of those that for years I've talked to a lot of people, they look at the story, the parable we're going to read in a moment, and sometimes they feel, you know, that a lot of us feel a little cheated, or we understand why those being scolded to an extent in this passage feel cheated. Um, it just doesn't seem fair, and a lot of times we look at this passage and, and we can see that in there. So it's intriguing to me as I've been able to study it and look at it, what is happening. Now, uh, as I've mentioned before, an important part of biblical interpretation Is if you're not always understanding what's going on in the parable, Jesus often, when he used parables, was responding to a scenario. He was teaching, and then he used a parable to illustrate his point. In today's uh, messages, as the pastor will make a point, And then if he feels necessary, we'll illustrate that point to help make it make more sense in today's culture. That day was called a parable. That's what this was. This was not a true story. This is not a story of a man who did this. This was a theory, theoretical scenario that those in this day would have understood and would have understood the frustration behind it. It was used to make a point. What was the point? Well, remember, while we look at chapter 20, the, the chapters and verses were not inspired by God. So you go back to chapter 19. You remember um, the rich young ruler had left. Peter asked the question, and again, in a my way of putting it, what's in it for us? What are we gaining? We've left everything. And he gives him all these blessings, and he says, you'll receive great things. And then he says, many are first or last, last will be first. Then he jumps into the parable. So this is a continuing teaching as as Jesus is answering Peter's question. So let's jump into verse 1 and look a little bit at this illustration, this parable, as Jesus answers Peter's question. Chapter 20, verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go in the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So, let me give you a breakdown of the history, the context. Again, in biblical interpretation, understanding the history is necessary. This was a farming community that was the primary economy in the Middle East at this time. And so, what would happen? You have a man who has a vineyard, and and harvest time is coming. Uh, It was not Necessary for him to have hired a large crew of people for the entire year, but harvest time was necessary. They didn't have a lot of the equipment. We didn't have any of the equipment we have today. So what they would do is they'd go to the marketplace and they would look for men who needed work. These men were not, you know, uh, employed regularly somewhere else. They would be day laborers, as we call them. So they'd go to the marketplace. He'd find people. He'd take them in. He would agree. Uh, you'll notice here it says a denarius. Other translations call it a penny. Simply a Roman coin. That came down to one day's wages. It was an understanding of one day's wages. So he starts off, which is, by the way, everybody in the Middle Eastern culture would have understood this as a normal practice. And so he's not not like us trying to understand history. This is something that would have happened every harvest. So they understand what's going on. he goes out and hires. Well, he hires and he goes out, I think it was two or three more times later in the day to continue to hire people. Obviously, he would have looked out at the field and he would have said, I need more workers to get more work done. So he'd hire more. Later on, he brought a bunch of guys on simply for why are you still standing here? No one hired us. We'll go to the field. Towards the end, they only worked an hour. You can conclude, be careful, but you can really kind of assume and conclude. He wasn't going to them because he needed more work he was just saying, these people haven't worked, let me help them. And we'll understand why I believe, I'll explain in a minute why I believe that in a moment. There is one intriguing thing to notice here. I was reading this just a a short moment, a short time ago. It's interesting that the very first group of men that were hired, uh, the Bible says um, in verse two, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day. So there was a negotiation taking place with these men at first as to how much they would get paid before going to the field. But the other times he goes, out, he just says, "Go work, and whatever is right, I will give you." So we can conclude from this that there was a negotiation for the first group of men, but not for the second, third, and fourth group of men that came out. And it would make sense that these men wanted to make sure that if they're going to work, other men would have come. Are we going to get a full day's wages? That's really what they were looking for. Um, And that wasn't necessary. But it is intriguing to note that they were the only group that negotiated a set price. The rest of them were told, come, whatever's right. So they just kind of trusted in the goodness. Now, obviously, they'd not been hired. So in their mind, anything we get today is good. So they go out. Now, so let's let's go on now to see what happens and where a bit of the confusion and sometimes frustration can come with this passage. Verse 8, so when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they received a denarius. They didn't know what was coming, but they received a day's wages. Verse 10, but when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the land over, saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. That first is important. I wish to give to this. We'll go there in a second. Verse 15, it is, not, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things or is it, uh, or is it your or is your eye evil because I am good. So here, here's the issue. The people who came last, only worked an hour, they were paid first. And you have to know that was on purpose so that the people who were there first would see it. They received a full day's wages. You ha- in the back of the mind of the people coming up, man, if they got a day's wages, we're gonna get more. And of course, they're handed the same. Immediately, and a lot of people who read this see the frustration. So in our culture, if you worked 10 hours and someone else worked one, we would assume we get paid more. Well, our culture today is hourly pay just makes sense. We're going to go in, we're going to get paid, you know, eight, 10, 12, 15, $20, $40 an hour, depending on what you're agreed on and depending on the job. Somebody who comes in later gets paid less. This was different. These men agreed on a set amount to go work. The other men were said, hey, whatever's right. There was no agreement with these other guys. So what you see, a lot of times people look and say, Jesus is unfair with this. And to an extent, you can see that argument. Let me make one comment. It's opinion I believe. This is my opinion. I've asked this question, uh, is Jesus fair? Now here's my answer. One, Jesus is holy. Jesus is just. Jesus is merciful. He's long-suffering. I can't say he's fair, at least in our day of believing. Here's what I mean by that. It's not fair that Jesus would go to the cross for your sin. It's not fair that somebody who deserves hell, me, you and me who deserve hell, would be offered salvation free and clear off the pain and punishment to Jesus. The word grace is unmerited favor. God giving me something I don't deserve. I deserve hell. The way of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. That's not fair. It's gracious. It's merciful, but it's not fair just was done because punishment was given to Jesus, but it's not fair. So you have to look at the passage here does bring up a point that in the human mind, it's not fair. One commentator said these first men were actually being envious and complaining. Well, why would you say that? Because they're the only ones that negotiated to get that money. The rest of the people said, whatever you want to give me, I'll work. And they were mad. Well, they agreed. They weren't trusting this man to be gracious. They were demanding their own amount first. So what we look here that here's what here's what jesus says is the venue because this man says do not do and i have not have a right to do what i want with my own thing my own money my own land he said listen it's not that you, did you not agree to one dollar a day this was your negotiation yes these other men didn't negotiate here's simply what's being said the men who came were given what they were promised the men who came later were given grace they were given extra they didn't earn it they didn't technically deserve it this guy just decided to be generous the principle you can kind of see when you when you can see when you come look at this is that somebody who's been saved at a young age and given their entire life to Christ will go to heaven if they've been saved. Someone who waits to the last year of life and gives their life to Christ months before their death—guess what? They're going to end up heaven. You say it's not fair. They got you know the world will say they got to live any way they wanted to. That's the grace of God, and that's what we have to see. So he's repeat, reminding Peter let's not be so concerned about looking at eternity, looking at the kingdom and looking at what you do and what you get based upon the human perspective. So, he gives a couple more thoughts to clarify that. Verse 16, the last will be first and the first last. Stop looking at this as I've done so much, I deserve more. That's not how the kingdom works. This is that's a human based system of, you know, for instance, I gave my life to this, I'm a missionary, I've sacrificed, I should get more. God's gonna reward us based upon our actions. And I tend to believe, I can't prove this, but I tend to believe that when we get to heaven the judgment seat of Christ, one, I don't know if there's going to be this great comparison because we're all going to be kneeling in shame before Jesus. But I, people think, well, these great preachers that are known across the globe are the ones that are going to be, receive the most reward. I bet you there's going to be people that none of us ever know that are going to receive the great rewards in heaven because they're faithful and they did what God wanted them to. We can't look at this from the human standpoint. It's a selfish standpoint, and that's what he's trying to teach. Don't look at it from this perspective. Just be faithful. Trust that God will give what is right in the eyes of God. Then he also makes an interesting point, for many are called, but few are chosen. God is going to bring conviction into a large amount of people. He's going to offer many salvation that just won't take it because it's their choice, And that's where it comes to the end. And so some occasions, some who've been given the opportunity will say no and end up in heaven. You can't look at the kingdom. You can't look at what's coming from the human perspective. None of it works. And if you are striving to put God in a box in the human perspective, you will become frustrated because his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. Let's stop worrying about that. Here comes the key. Do we trust the master to do what's right? Do we trust him to take care of us? And if we do, the rest of it doesn't matter. I go do my best, what God's asked me to do, and I let him take care of those details. May that be our heart, and may that be our goal. Well, thanks again for joining us on this Monday morning, giving me a chance to be part of your day. Hope it's an encouragement. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and no matter what, just keep going forward. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.